When I was at Walter Reed all that time, after a couple of craniotomies, I was lying there, and I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand her. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, that there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't knew the one I had the one comfortable. But I'm not joking. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome right, to Right, right and, and wrong. wrong. This is a show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always over there is my friend and yours, producer Juice. Hey, Juice Box, Mr. Truth, what do you get to say to the people out there in the right and wrong audience this week? When I was a kid, a homeless guy was a bum, he was a vagrant, somebody down on his luck or whatever, you know, a wino. They didn't have this Shutter Island <laughs> going on that they had out there, like people talking to trees. <laughs> Yeah, when I was a kid, you could only be crazy outside for about 15 minutes before a van would pull up and two guys in nurses' outfits would just come walking out. Hey, buddy, how's it going? You're making a lot of racket out here, aren't you? Why don't you do me a favor? Try this shirt on. You're like, okay. How come the sleeves are so long? Oh, because we're going to tie your arms behind your back because you're out of your mind. That's it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Bring back the straight jackets, baby. Bring them back. Great job as usual. Well, today we have a locked and loaded show as usual. We're going to dig in on the breaking uh, footage that Tucker Carlson released this past week from the January 6th insurrection. We're also going to... Look at what Hershey's did as a Women's History Month campaign. You'll never guess which one of the um, members of their campaign was not actually a woman. Yep, yep, that's right. Four women and a man, part of the Hershey's campaign for Women's Month. So we'll get into that story. Uh, Michael Knowles was accused of genocide during a CPAC speech that he gave. And uh, we'll look at some of the pop culture going on these days with uh, some comedians getting sick of this woke nonsense as well. Russell Brand making the rounds lately, Chris Rock's new stand-up thing, all that good stuff. So we'll get into that as well. And in our Come On Man segment of the day, we're going to visit the two leaders of this great country, Cackling Carmella and President Unity. We'll see what kind of shape this country's in with these two at the helm. So stick around for that. And at this point, it is the time of the show where I would like to remind you guys to please subscribe to the show. Give us a like, give us a five-star review, and drop us a comment uh, if you feel the need. Well, I guess no better time than now to bring in our good old friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! Woo! The stories that we'll be talking about today all have a shared theme. They'll be focusing a lot on narratives and how things are framed based on where you're getting your information. Shocker, I know. 
<laughs> That's kind of politics in a nutshell, I guess. All news coverage is going to come with some kind of bias. If you think it doesn't, you're just an idiot. The question becomes, would you rather the bias be hidden or open? The people tuning into CNN and MSNBC like to pretend that they're watching a down-the-middle, just-the-facts news outlet. While people like us that watch Fox News and The Daily Wire, we understand that the stories are being presented to us from a conservative point of view. I understand that what I'm about to talk about makes most people a little bit uncomfortable. But for me, there's no greater example of deceitful narrative framing than in how we view the death of a newborn. Do you know anyone in your life that's had to deal with the death of a baby? Whether it's a stillborn, a miscarriage, or SIDS, there's simply no words to say to them to ease their pain. I can't imagine how hard that must be for those families. Oftentimes it's so painful and there really are no words to say, so we just say nothing. We avoid the topic because we know it must be so hard for the parents to think about the life that wasn't given a chance. Now, I want you to think about how that narrative changes when a baby's life is taken away deliberately. It's no longer a tragedy. It's now a woman reclaiming her independence. An abortion isn't the loss of a life at, at all, they say. It's simply a medical decision to remove a clump of cells. The supporters of abortion are too blind to see that whether a baby is wanted or not doesn't change the fact that the loss of their life is a horrific tragedy and should be treated as such. The left chooses to celebrate the death when the mother deliberately ends her child's life and mourns the death when she doesn't. In New York City, they light their buildings pink in honor of abortion rights. Is this not our modern-day version of human sacrifice to the gods or what? We can try and sterilize it all we want with the doctor's office and the medical terminology, but how is this any different than what the ancient Aztecs used to do? I recently came across a post on Facebook that made me think about these differences. The post was from a girl that I worked with years ago, and she had a picture of herself in a hospital bed holding her baby. I saw the picture and subsequent message she had written and assumed it was her announcing another member of her family to the world. As I started reading, I realized that this was a different kind of announcement. The heartbreaking message was this woman sharing to the world that she had lost her beautiful baby. The same tiny little baby that is on her chest and in her arms in the picture on screen. She was posting this one month after losing her child, and reading this made my heart sink. I really can't imagine how painful this must be for her and her family. She wrote something in her message that stood out to me, and it relates to what we're talking about here, so I'd like to read that to you. Quote, I made a promise to her that the shadow of her death will never extinguish the light of her life. For 37 weeks, she existed inside me. I felt every kick, every movement, every hiccup. We loved her before we met her or knew her name. She is and will always be our daughter. End quote. I have no clue where this person stands politically, but in her post, she makes it clear that her baby existed inside of her. Like I said, the words are heart-wrenching. You can feel her pain through this post, and I feel so bad that she's going through this. If you scan your group of friends, family, acquaintances, I'm sure you know someone who has lost a baby unexpectedly. If you're a good person, and hopefully you are, I'm sure you've also offered your sympathy to the grieving family. But how could you read a post like that, or personally know someone that's lost a baby tragically like this, and still support someone willingly going through this with the help of a doctor. 
A doctor that's supposed to protect and save lives, not end them. This post was filled with comments of sorrow, filled with comments of how this family will be in someone else's prayers, but I found myself questioning just how many of the commenters would feel sorrow if this post was about the mother's own choice. My feeling is the comments would be words of encouragement and praise rather than sorrow and prayer. I'd recommend that you consider stories like this one, or ones that are more personal to you, the next time you decide to do some soul-searching about how you feel when it comes to the issue of abortion in this country. It becomes a much more difficult thing to support when you personalize the issue. All right, it's that time in the show where we get to move to our rights and wrongs of the week, so let's jump right into it. Juice, you ready for the uh, first topic at hand here? I guess it's the one that's been uh, making the waves these days, making the rounds, I guess. Um, Well, this is going to have to do with the Tucker Carlson footage that was released. He was given, uh, the footage was given to him from Speaker McCarthy. And it was a lot of unseen stuff from the January 6th insurrection on the Capitol, the darkest day in democracy. Remember that day? The one that the libs love to keep rehashing and rehashing. The one that they had a whole congressional hearing over. Um, A committee, I believe, they did. Whatever it's called. But they uh, could have unearthed all of this footage during that, but they chose to hide that from the rest of us. So Speaker McCarthy comes in, turns that footage over, and uh, Tucker did what Tucker does best. Shared it with America. So I don't know how there could ever be anything wrong with more information, more footage, instead of the left ruling elite trying to decide what they can control, what we can and cannot see. So they're all up in arms about it. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen stuff circulating around. We're not going to play the footage that Tucker played because it's kind of him describing what's happening. We don't have the uh, visual for you, so it doesn't really do the bit justice. But basically, the guy in the horn hat that you know was the face of the insurrection there's footage of him being walked around the empty halls of the of the Capitol building with police surrounding him all around him, not once trying to make an arrest, not once trying to stop him from doing what he was doing. There's even times where they tried to open doors for him, let him roam around. So to me, that's not a violent insurrection. That's a bunch of jackasses trespassing in an empty building. And again, the, the irony here is that we were told that that's the darkest day in American history since the Civil War. You know, our very existence as a country, as a government, was almost threatened and overthrown. Get out of here with that. The thing that we saw with this footage from Tucker is what an actual, mostly peaceful protest looks like. Not that nonsense during the summer of St. George Floyd, where our country was being burned down. Cars were overthrown. Police stations were looted and vandalized. Um, again, burned to the ground. Whole street corners were taken over by, by lawlessness. That's what insurrections look like. Not a bunch of jackasses roaming the halls of an empty building. Posing for pictures with, with a lector and a gavel. Going to Nancy Pelosi's office. Again, not good. You don't have to support what happened on January 6th. 
but you don't have to lie to us and say that it was a deadly, violent insurrection, because it clearly was not. Once again, jackasses for doing that, but it was not the dangerous overthrowing of our country, of our of our democracy, the way the left tries to make it out to be. And the reason we don't trust the left and the government and the mainstream media, the fake news media, is because they hold stuff back like this. They had access to all this stuff and chose not to share it with us because they cared more about their narrative. They needed that to ride their election results in these midterms in 2022. How many times was this talked about leading up to those um, elections? And it's just crazy that people are now still upset that he actually released this stuff. You want to see how crazy they are, how upset they are at Tucker and McCarthy for sharing this information with the public? Listen to uh, Chucky boy, Chuck Schumer over there, what he had to say. Juice, you got that? Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. With contempt for the facts disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry-picking from thousands of hours of security footage. Whoa, 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 whoa. Chucky. Cherry picking? Haven't we seen the same, you know, handful of clips circulating from the mainstream media, from you guys on the left? Yes, I think we have. He simply shared more information with us. You guys have the one were the ones that have cherry picked for the last two years. You've only showed us a small sample of what happened. Tucker simply shared more. Let's let this jackass continue. Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Once again, I made the point already, but when we see cities in this country set ablaze by violent protesters and we're told they're mostly peaceful protesters... Who could ever do that, huh, Chuck? Go ahead. A nonviolent demonstration, a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. Many of my staff were here at the Capitol on January 6th. Their lives were put in danger, as were the lives of many of my colleagues, as well as police, maintenance staff, reporters, countless others. At one point, I was within 30 feet of the rioters. One of them, I was told, shouted out, let's get him. Before my detail pulled me away and we ran in the other direction. To say January 6th was not violent, is a lie, a lie, pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. 
I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I guess you've never watched CNN, Chucky. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning. But after last night, it looks like a disaster. Speaker McCarthy has played a treacherous, a treacherous game by catering to the hard right. He's enabled the big lie and has further eroded away at our precious democracy. When people don't believe elections are on the level, that's the beginning of the end of this bold experiment in democracy that has gone on for more than 200 years. It's all the more shameful because Speaker McCarthy knows precisely what kind of customer Mr. Carlson is. He's not surprised by this outcome. What a low point for Speaker McCarthy. What a low point for Fox News. No, Chucky. What a low point for you and your party and the media, the mainstream media, because you guys did this exact same thing, and now it's the other guys doing what you do best. So you're pretty pissed about that, and you'll do whatever you can to try and poo-poo the situation. But the fact is, this is just more footage, more coverage of the incident, and that can't hurt anybody. We can see with our own eyes what's happening. Sure, Tucker can share his opinion about what happened, and that's fine, but he has footage to back up why he feels the way he feels. You guys had access to this same footage and chose to sit on it, not look at it, not share it with us. And you wonder why a conspiracy begins? That's why. Stop trying to decide what we can and cannot see for us. Be transparent, share it all, and tell us how you feel about it. You clearly have ulterior motives. And again, back to the monologue, what we were saying. Fox News, sure, they have ulterior motives too. So does the Daily Wire. So does the um, the Blaze. So does so. So do I. The stories I talk about. But we're honest that we're giving you stories from a conservative's point of view. Your people from MSNBC, CNN, they don't. They pretend like it's objective news journalism. And how about a senator sitting there trying to tell you attack a member of the press right there in front of you, in front of the whole country. Remember when Donald Trump used to call the press fake news and they said he was, you know, going against the Freedom of the Press Act? This guy's a, a, a sitting a sitting senator, a majority leader of the Senate, and he's attacking a member of the press like that and everyone else is okay with it? Screw you, Chuck. Absolutely pathetic. Next. Senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John, Donald John Trump incited the erection. <laughs> All right. So I don't know if you guys have heard about this one yet, but um, Hershey Candy Company, they decided to celebrate Women's History Month because, you know, February was Black History Month. 
March now is Women's History Month. We're going to have like four different gay celebration history months. We're going to have a Latinx history month. We probably have a, um, you know, Polynesian, uh, Asian Pacific Islander month, uh, Native American month for Liz Warren and her tribe. Um, but yeah, this month happens to be Women's History Month. So Hershey's uh, <laughs> released a ad campaign up there in Canada and they have, you know, five different women that are featured in these ads and the five different women all have their faces on the wrappers of candy bars that that have gone out well hershey's made the extremely woke decision to feature a man as one of the five women in this campaign yes that's right they have a man who's dressed like a woman and thinks in his own twisted mind that he is a woman as a face to the Women's History Month campaign through Hershey's. What a joke this stuff is, huh? I mean, can we erase women anymore? Let's go back to the to the 1900s. Let's take away their right to vote, too. The only people that can vote are men with Johnsons that wear dresses and dress like women. Why don't, why don't we go back to that and see if everyone's happy with that? We clearly can't let women compete against themselves in sports. We, um... We want to give them prominent positions all over the country, all in in throughout our government, throughout corporations. We want to give men these important roles because they call themselves women at the same time that they're holding actual women back from earning those accolades and, you know, awards or, or positions of prominence. So why not do it with the candy bar campaign, too? We'll give you four out of five. You guys should be happy with that. Okay, we're not making all five men who think they're women. We're going to only take, you know, one man and we'll give you the other four. So I think they probably thought they were okay with that. (laughs) Well, obviously this company should be mocked and ridiculed for it. And thankfully it has been. Um, In fact, let's leave it to Daily Wire co-founder, Mr. Jeremy Boring to uh, mock and troll Hershey's while also offering the people out there an alternative option. Yes, that's right. Just like they did for Jeremy's Razors, the Daily Wire co-founder, Jeremy Boring, released Jeremy's Chocolate last week. It was, uh, they put the ad together and released it in about 24 hours after the campaign from Hershey's. So, um, we actually have their commercial that they were circulating out there and it blew up too. A bunch of people ordered this, uh, candy from them. So (laughs) it's a great troll job by the Daily Wire. And then, um... You know, they actually provided something, too. So, Juice, you got that clip? All right, let's play that. This is the commercial for Jeremy's Chocolate, an alternative to the woke Hershey's. Juice? International Women's Day is upon us again, and I love an international woman. But our friends over at Hershey's, they don't even know what a woman is. They've hired a biological male to be the spokesperson for their Women's Day campaign. And they're calling that campaign, and I swear I'm not making this up, her she. Her she. It's humiliating. And it's the reason that I'm launching Jeremy's Chocolate. We have two kinds. She, her, and he, him. One of them's got nuts. If you need me to tell you which one it is, keep giving your money to Hershey's. But if you're tired of giving your money to woke corporations that hate you, and you're looking for a delicious chocolate bar from a company that actually wants your business, head over to IHateHershey's.com and order Jeremy's Chocolate 
today. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. You guys got to look the video up too, because Michael Knowles has an awesome, uh, weird looking grin on his face when they throw him the candy bar with the, with the nuts on it <laughs> or in it. <laughs> uh, if you need me to tell you which one's which, you don't need to buy our candy. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Well, the left was naturally reacting as, uh, you know, saying right wingers have been triggered by the presence of a man dressed like a woman in a candy commercial. Uh, we're not triggered. We're just simply pointing out the ridiculousness of this. And again, I believe in mockery and, um, you know, pointing and laughing when somebody does something so ridiculous like this that they deserve to be pointed and laughed at. Uh, I think it serves a purpose. It really does. And they probably realize how ridiculous this is, but they just are trying to play to a specific base out there. Um, and that's what's frustrating about it. So, you know, I don't want to sit there. Uh, um, don't put words into my mouth. I'm not sitting there trying to say we should go out there and point and laugh at people that actually have gender dysphoria who really have this this mental illness and disease. I think it's cruel that we celebrate them and worship them and, and throw accolades their way and put them in commercials, give them fame and notoriety. I think that's cruel because we're just enabling the delusion. So I don't I would never say to, to go up and mock and laugh at someone who suffers from that. I simply think we should mock and laugh at these ridiculous companies who are trying to profit off of that. These, you know, woke corporations that are doing it just to try and satisfy a um, minority base out there that's going to clap for them, that's going to give them a like on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So those are the people that deserve the mockery and the ridicule. And I'm glad that um, The Daily Wire and Jeremy Boring are there to provide alternatives for these ridiculous companies because at the end of the day, just shut up and make your candy bars. You don't have to get in on all these stupid campaigns. You don't have to give us all green M&Ms if you're the Mars company for Women's Month, too, because that's the green The green M&M is the lady on the commercials. Like, enough already. Just sell your candy. So that's where we are with that. Next. The only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain. All right, let's stick to the theme of the Daily Wire here. We'll go back to back with them. You guys know I'm a big fan of the company. So um, Michael Knowles came under, under fire this past week because he gave a speech at the CPAC conference uh, last week, and he said some things that um, the left really didn't like. They accused uh, Michael of calling for genocide. Well, let's hear what Michael really had to say. Juice, you got that clip? There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, 
Transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology. So you hear that? I mean, the man clearly says that the transgender people need help, but the whole idea of transgenderism is what needs to be eradicated from public life. That's a big difference. And I'm glad Michael, you know, he talked about it on his show all last week, but he said he um, had lawyers contact all these companies that were headlining it as, um, you know, right wing conservative right wing pundit calls for genocide against transgender people. That's the way it was being labeled. So he threatened libel. Uh, like he threatened a lawsuit against a lot of these uh, publications. I can't, I don't remember every single one because it, it was all over the place, but um, they all started changing their headline too. They tweaked it and changed it because they were afraid of what would happen. They knew they were going to get sued, but he, um, he clearly is talking about transgenderism being out there in the public uh, and being accepted and celebrated and welcomed by all. Doesn't mean that he wants transgender people to be harmed, hurt, and eradicated. That's not what he's saying, and, and rightfully so. He shouldn't say that. Just like I just said in the past segment, we don't want people that are suffering from this mental illness and disease to be you know, physically harmed or you know, even threatened or mocked or ridiculed. I don't want any of that for these people. I want them to get the help that they deserve and need. And it's not helpful to indulge their fantasies. It doesn't you know, provide them anything but more discomfort in the long run by going along with this stuff for them. And when Michael says to eradicate the transgenderism in this country, I take that as let's stop making people like Richard Levine, the head of, um, you know, the Health and Human Services or whatever it is, um, department here for the federal government. Like, no, let's stop putting people like that up on a pedestal. I'm sorry, like if you if you show up for a job interview and you are an actual man dressed in a in a dress with jewelry on and women's features and, and dressed like that, makeup, all that stuff, I'm going to like immediately disqualify you for the position because you have a mental delusion. So I can't trust you to accurately run, you know, a department, do your job here at the work because you clearly have some issues going on in your own head. So that right there, I'm sorry. Like, it's the same reason why if I worked at a fine dining restaurant, you know, I worked years as a restaurant manager. If I, it, was, it certainly wasn't fine dining. So I know this menu better than you do. But if I worked at a fine dining restaurant and someone showed up with half purple hair and pink hair, pink and purple hair, sorry, I wouldn't want to hire you as a waiter or waitress. Like, there's a certain, you know, way you need to conduct yourself with professionalism and dignity and that's needed all over the place. If it's needed in a fine dining restaurant, it's certainly needed in the government. It's certainly needed in a federal um, position within the White House's cabinet. It's certainly needed in those positions because we need professionalism. We need people to take themselves seriously if we think they're going to take the rest of their jobs serious. So for me, a man dressed like a woman who walks around calling themselves by a woman's name does not take themselves serious enough to hold an important, significant position um, in policymaking and decision-making for the rest of this country or state or city or whatever it may be. So that's the type of transgenderism 
that does need to be removed from the public, that needs to be removed from our society. We do not need to accept that. We can all say no and all admit that there's a mental illness going on at hand there. And that doesn't mean we're mean. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, bigots. And it doesn't mean that we're out for genocide. We're out for normalcy. Make America normal again. That should be the new slogan for 2024. Next. The time is now for our country to continue to move the bar forward for diversity. And I am proud to wear this uniform and answer that call. All right. So quickly, I don't want to dive too deeply into this one because I think it's just more a generalized, you know, feeling that I have. But, you know, pop culture is beginning to slowly turn on the woke nonsense. And we've seen snippets of this for a little while now, you know, Ricky Gervais, um, you know, Dave Chappelle, and now Chris Rock's the latest one where he has the new Netflix special out where he talks about the whole Will Smith saga and all that nonsense. But I believe the name of the thing is, um, is I'm not a victim, something along those lines. And I love it because the victimhood mentality is what's killing this country. And again, that's part of the stuff I talked about last uh, on the last topic there. The Richard Levines of the world get a position of prominence because so many people look at him as a victim. He's a victim of hate and transphobia and stuff. So we're going to prop him up and give him praise and accolades. No, he's not a victim. We have to stop the victimhood mentality. And South Park did a great job with this too, with the privacy tour episode with the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle thing. They just ripped them to shreds and it was awesome. Throughout the episode, they had that, um, you know, the, the company that was going to help build your brand and your image and stuff like that. And every time they built a brand for someone, it always ended with victim. You know, he's a cool, happy-go-lucky, fun-loving, outgoing guy and victim. We got Kyle. Rugged, vegan, compassionate victim. That was like everybody's quality for their, um, for their, you know, brand. And it's so true, but I love that, you know, even like the comedians and the pop culture is getting sick of this stuff. When you start losing them, you know, it, it's not going to be long for the rest to start coming around because those people, they influence the culture. They really do. Uh, a lot of people aren't into politics the way we are. The people that listen to this show or, you know, watch and listen to other political commentary, you know, podcast shows, stuff like that. So people, most normal people, I think, watch the regular entertainment. They watch stand-up specials. They watch, you know, shows like South Park. They watch shows like Family Guy. They watch, um, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. So, when you start seeing those people come out against this woke stuff, then you know that it's not going to be too much longer for the rest of um, the culture to hopefully start shifting our way. Um, I guess real quick to my boy, Russell Brand, Aldous Snow from uh, one of the best, you know, comedies in the last 20 years, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, he made the rounds. He's been making the rounds on the, on the late night circuit. He was on Gutfield the other night. He's with Bill Maher. Um, he did a couple of different things, but he's, you know, he he's definitely not aligned with me. He's pretty progressive. You do you, man, whatever you want. Like, uh, let's keep the government out of it. Like, 
libertarian, I guess I would, I would classify him. Um, but he does hate like the lockdown stuff, the big farmer stuff, like the government corruption type of stuff. I'm on the same page with him there. And he had some interesting comments about, uh, you know, what, again, kind of a theme of this episode here, how he was calling out MSNBC for trying to point the finger at Fox News as being like, you know, a biased news coverage. And Brand basically was like, you are too. So I think we have a little bit of that if uh, if you want to play that clip for us, Juice. John, I've not known you long, but mm. I love you already. But I have to say that it's, <laughs> it's disingenuous to claim that the biases that are exhibited on Fox News are any different from the biases exhibited on MSNBC. It's difficult to suggest that's, that's... that these corporations operate as anything other than mouthpieces for their affiliate owners in BlackRock and Vanguard. And, and unless we start to embrace, and, and also, mate, like just spiritually, if I may use that word in your great country, we have to take responsibility for our own perspective. Right. I've been on that MSNBC, yeah. mate. It was right. propagandist nutcrackery yeah. on there. Gonna, you, I went on the show called Morning Joe. <laughs> Absolutely. And there it is. I mean, I know it's a little tough. They're all they're trying to talk over each other a little bit. And he's got that thick British accent. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> um, but he's calling them out for the exact same thing. And he's exactly right. Look at the way they treated Joe Rogan, saying that he was taking horse drugs. Just like Brand just said. So, um, you know, good job. I'm glad that that the pop culture people, you know, the comedians, the people that are in entertainment are at least speaking up a little bit more than they have in the past. And we need more of that. So keep up the good work, guys. And uh, hopefully we'll turn the tide soon. Next. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today to apologize. Why did you say ladies first? That's sexist. It's just it's just a, a standard greeting. L- l- let me start over. Gentlemen and ladies. Who says the man? Okay, sorry. I, I, um, humans in the audience. I identify as a basketball. Humans and basketballs. I'm a parrot who mimics words but doesn't comprehend them. Humans, basketballs, talking parrots, and and whatever else is out there. Whatever? It's whoever. Actually, it's whomever. And that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. Stick around for the last segment of the show. Our come on, man, segment of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is that time in the program when we get to bring you something from somebody that is just so ridiculous, so absurd, that even though we're going to make fun of them for a little bit, there's really nothing else we could say to them except, come on, man. And uh, I guess let's get right to it. We're going to get to uh, the two knuckleheads today that run our country, the two heads of the United States of America. President Unity and Cacklin Carmella. Uh, I mean, we could probably go here every single week with these two, but I guess let's start with the vice president. Let's see what she had to say this past week, sharing a little story about her life as a child. You remember she was that little girl on that bus that time. Well, what else was she? Let's see what she was taught about conservatism as such a young kid. Juice, you got that? In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's... Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. (laughs) Um, What? Why are conservatives bad? We're not. We're not bad. We're great. You should be a conservative. You should want to conserve the greatest country that's ever been built. 
You should want to conserve the principles and values of our founding fathers. You should want to conserve the Christian Judeo values that we were founded upon. Instead, you want to tear all that down and replace it with your (laughs) crazy laugh. So, no, no, conservatives are the good ones. Well, not to be outdone by that, but uh, President Unity might have her beat with this one. Juice, you want to hear what that man had to say? (laughs) This one's tough to keep up with, so uh, good luck, everybody. Juice? You literally, my fire company at home, saved my life. I came back from a trip after being away for a couple of days. And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. But I, all kidding aside, what happened was uh, I was a snowstorm and I had a cranial aneurysm and I had to be operated on immediately. And the doc who was going to do it was the best doc that was around. It was down at Walter Reed because he had operated on so many folks. I couldn't get down. The president, the Republican president, offered me the Marine One to get down, but it couldn't fly because of the weather. So my fire company got me down in the middle of a snowstorm for a nine-hour operation. Saved my life. You saved the life of my sons and my my two sons when my wife and daughter were killed right after I got elected. Tractor trailer broadside and killed my wife, killed my daughter, and my two boys were on top of their dead sister and mom for, they tell me up to, I never wanted to know the detail, but up to close to three hours took the, my fire company jaws of life to get them out and get them to the hospital. When I was down doing the last show for, with Tim Russert, Meet the Press, the last show he had done, lightning struck in a pond behind my house, went up underneath the conduit, caught the, uh, caught fire underneath the floorboards of my house. And it was during the summer, air conditioning was on, smoke that thick all three stories. The reason I can show you that is because every piece of furniture had to be replaced because of the smoke. But guess what? My fire company was there to go in and save my wife, get her out, the cat, and my 67 Corvette. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. What was that? Seriously, I'd love to take the top off his head and, and try and look in and see what was going on in his brain there. How, like, where do those stories come from? Oh my goodness. That was like, I'm sitting there like cracking up listening to that. But then also like, this is sad too. How can you watch that and not cringe? And that's the man in charge of the greatest country that's ever been built. Right there. That rambling, stumbling, dolt of a man. That's who is in charge of this country. Wow. Well, what, what was that thing he said at the beginning? Towards the beginning, Juice? You, you got that again? They had to take the top of my head off a couple times. <laughs> see if I had a brain. <laughs> take the top of my head off? See if I had a brain? Uh, well, since all we do these days are make remakes, that little speech and that little comment there got me thinking about trying to do a remake of my second favorite movie of all time, The Wizard of Oz. You could have Carmela be Dorothy, Biden there, he's obviously the Scarecrow, Mayor Pete could play the Tin Man, again, for obvious reasons, and we just need to find a good lion. Maybe Chucky, Chucky Schumer could be the lion. Well, I know AOC would be great as Toto, you know, chirping along there, they're nipping at the heels. 
And we could even use Ayanna Presley. We use her head for those scenes where all we see is just the wizard's head floating in his, uh, you know, in, in his, his chambers there. <laughs> so I think we have the makings for a pretty good remake. So I guess I, uh, I went ahead and took it upon myself to do an updated version of the classic song, If I Only Had a Brain by the Scarecrow. So this one, um, you know, could be, you know, the, 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 the bones for President Unity if he does want to, um, you know, take the next step and, and, you know, turn that story into an updated version of The Wizard of Oz. Juice, you ready? I could while away the hours Conferring with my cabinet Consulting with the squad And my head I'd be scratching While Kamala's busy laughing If I only had a brain I'd increase my country's taxes For low and middle classes In support of the Ukraine With the thoughts you'd be thinking You could be another Lincoln If you only had a brain Oh, I could tell a lie Like Hunter's a smart guy I could think of lies I never thunk before And then I'd trip and lie some more (laughs) I am sorry that I subject you guys to my singing voice I know it's not very good out there But uh, hopefully I have a very strong producer who could doctor some things a little bit, make me sound a little bit better than I actually do, and drown me out a little bit with the music. (laughs) But yeah, that's just a little bit of a uh, snippet from what I heard they might be working on, or maybe my people can get in touch with President Unity's people, you know, could give them a little little head start to some of those lyrics there, (laughs) and they could be following that yellow brick road off to the Emerald City him and his little squad so i guess there's really nothing else i can say at this point to those two dolts than uh president unity cackling carmella you two have earned yourselves one big fat classic come on man and that's our show for today thank you all for tuning in today thank you so much for the support you give us just remember give us a like and a follow on social media on our show pages and uh, drop us a comment Thank you again, and I guess that's all I have to say. So, thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.